this is Base Layer, brought to you by Arca. I'm your host, David Nage. This is Base Layer, where institutional investors come to learn about crypto. Welcome back to Base Layer. This is David, and this is your new episode with Simon Chamorto, the co-founder of Value. Value creates opportunities for people to send and receive money internationally. Their goal is to build trust with their customers through a simple and transparent remittance platform designed for their customers' financial needs. Utilizing a blockchain platform and an expansive network of locations for customers to deposit and receive cash, Value is disrupting the international currency transfer market in Latin America. This is a really, really interesting show. Simon is down there. Uh, We've talked as an ecosystem in digital assets about Venezuela, about countries that are dealing with hyperinflation, about how Bitcoin can be the store value and save everyone from the great tyrannies of hyperinflation and bad central banks. And it's really interesting to hear from Simon, who is down there, who has family down there, who is actually working the ground and hearing from him how he's actually building a company using digital assets, using blockchains to actually solve the problem. And so this is a great conversation. I left incredibly enthusiastic about what they're doing down there. Again, nothing on Baselayer is investment advice, so please do your own research. But this is a really interesting conversation. You're going to hear a lot about what's happening down in Venezuela and Colombia. You're going to hear about the migrant issue. You're going to hear about the hyperinflation, about how people are actually living down there. And so just an amazing, amazing, amazing episode. And I usually don't say this about all these ones, but really good stuff. Thanks to Ian and to Dan at IDEO for the introduction to this one. And on the flip side, you're going to hear an amazing conversation with Simon from Valium. Enjoy. This is David, and this is your new episode of Base Layer. I have Simon Chermoro, the co-founder of Value, with me today. Simon, how are you? Good, good, good. Thank you, David. Thanks for having me today. I love these conversations. Uh, Simon came to me from friends at IDEO. Uh, Ian and Dan, who have been on the show before, got to check out IDEO because they are working with such great companies, really helping them grow. They are a great group here uh, up on the East Coast in Boston, and I would highly recommend you checking out the work that they're doing. So Simon came uh, recommended from Ian, and we're going to talk about value. So what we'd like to do before we get into the project and the company that our guests are building, what I'd like to do is talk about your background, uh, kind of how you came into this world um, effectively of blockchains and crypto and digital assets. And so... I know that you had a background uh, in tech before, um, and I believe that there was a specific moment in time you were working at uh, Rocker Labs where you kind of found this world. So before we get into what value is, can you talk a little bit about your background and how you kind of came into this world? Sure. Um, So I guess it ties back to like who I am uh, because I was born in Venezuela, which is now basically the, the... second high, highest hyperinflation that the, the world has seen. So, um, yeah, Venezuela basically um, uh, went through hyperinflation. Um, it was a rich country, but then I was basically not forced, but like always like 
pushed to leave and look for opportunities outside. And so I've lived in Spain, in the United States. I went to college and I'm living in Colombia. So, and um, basically moving around the world for quite a long time. Um, and specifically by like moving around the world, I've been basically uh, in front of the problems of a typical migrant. Uh, so I, I would consider myself migrant. I never had a credit history that followed me. It was always hard to receive or send money to my families and my close relatives. And so in 2015, after, after college, um, I went to Miami to work for this company, Rocker Labs, and I was introduced to an Ethereum project um, and the concept of, of smart contracts. Um, mm -hmm. And I really just uh, felt like, really enticed to learn more about it. Um, I had learned from Bitcoin before, but I was never really like, uh, I never got into it. And in, specifically in that year, um, my family's company actually went broke uh, because of the situation in Venezuela. And quickly after that, I, it was the first time I had to, uh, to send them money to help them mm -hmm. and remit money to them. And it was the first time even like my mom and my dad would save money in Bitcoin in Venezuela because Bitcoin was uh, quite stable uh, compared to the Venezuelan Bolivar. So that's kind of like a quick explanation of how I got into Bitcoin and a little bit of my background. And so, again, before we get into value, um, you know, I think the entire digital asset crypto ecosystem has touted the use cases of Bitcoin and other digital assets as places where there's hyperinflation, you know, it's interesting on a personal level. Um, you know, my wife works in a field in, you know, business where, you know, she's working in a multi kind of multi country conglomerate. And we've talked about places where there's hyperinflation and how we've talked about places like Venezuela, you know, specifically. And I think a lot of people in crypto have talked about it that it is a prime use case for digital assets because of the hyperinflation, because of Bitcoin's store value kind of principles. And so it's interesting. Uh, I don't know if people follow Peter McCormack, but he's been down there apparently uh, over the last few days, and he's been sending some interesting tidbits uh, from kind of his own experiences down there. And shout out to Peter. Uh, I, you know, he's a, uh, he's an interesting character. He's got a great podcast too. And we're all kind of in the podcast family here. And so it's interesting, you know, he kind of said on Twitter, he said the idea of Bitcoin being widely used in Venezuela is false, basically, uh, to paraphrase. So I'm curious, you know, what exactly, before we get into value, because it is obviously a really important reason why you started this company and this project, what is happening down there? You know, so in a country like Venezuela, things change uh, quite fast um, in terms of financials, in terms of um, uh, macroeconomic uh, situations. Um, and so, you know, like five years ago, Bitcoin um, was pretty widely used um, in Venezuela by normal citizens. Um, because the, there was no other option. But since the U.S. Uh, imposed sanctions on the Venezuelan government, which is great. Um, basically, now the Venezuelan government didn't have many ways of accessing their capital 
the Venezuelan government is, owns a company called Citgo in the United States. For, for, you, for those of you who don't know it, it's a big petroleum company. Now they don't have access to that. And the, the U.S. government has been kind of like making all the right decisions on pushing to give Guaido, who is the other president, the, the good president, uh, more power. So since that happened, um, what... But some people are saying, so don't take my word for it, this is kind of like the word on the street. Um, the Venezuelan government is selling gold to Turkey, uh, and Turkey is paying them in, in euros and in dollars. So pretty much all the money, all the dollars that are flowing in Venezuela are dirty dollars or, mm -hmm. or like black dollars and it's only cash dollars right now um and there's an estimate that, that more than 50 percent of venezuela's economy now it's uh cashed is in cash dollars um hmm. and euros and so uh however um i actually replied to to peter on his twitter this morning um showing another tweet that says basically that 0.8 percent of all of our uh transactions, all of, all of the payments in Venezuela that are made in bolivars uh, or dollars are still uh, have relationship with the Bitcoin, with, with hmm. Bitcoin. So that it's, that's pretty, that's a little, that's a big number uh, in terms of like macroeconomics, almost 1% of the, 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 the economy is, is back, is moving into Bitcoin. So, yeah. So it's interesting. I saw that you posted a video too. And again, 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 the macro side here and what's actually happening down there is really important. I saw you posted a video where I think one of your friends or one of your coworkers was paying for gas with sugar and maybe chips. You know, talk to us about the barter system down there. What's happening? Yeah. So Venezuela, um, we, it was a very like rich petroleum country and, and gas has always been super cheap, uh, like subsidized by the government. Um, however, people will still, you know, uh, like all the companies will still accept payments in, in cash in Venezuelan bolivars, even though it was cheap. Now, uh, due to the such a big hyperinflation and scarcity of the bolivar, uh, people can just go to a gas station and, you know, like reload their tank. And you can even say, hey, man, like I don't have money. And they'll be like, dude, yeah, I just, that's fine. Just go. Honestly, wow. and like, but my but my friend, like, was actually an investor at Value. He was recently in Venezuela, and, and and he only had a bag of chips and and one of those little sugar bags that you get for for like coffee. And mm -hmm. and he said, like, hey man, can I pay? I don't have cash. Can I pay you with a bag of chips and sugar? And the guy, like, receiving the because we in Latin America we have people that pump the gas for you, mm -hmm. uh, and the guy receiving the, the the cash was saying like, excellent man, thank you, like excited about getting the chips you know so wow. that's that's the situation right there yeah really i i went i spent some time in europe over the summer in some places that had been hit by hyperinflation and they would have their old currencies that you could buy in like a bazaar and people would have it just kind of you know for the tourists to see and you know it would be like a a ten billion dollar, you know, krona or something of that nature, and you know they could just, you know, see that the paper was just being printed, and it's just for anyone who doesn't understand why people in digital assets and crypto feel so passionately about these types of conversations, it's because we see what's happened is that you know centralized, you know, finance, you know, centralized banking systems 
and governments like this are, you know, they just print, they print and they print and they print. And a lot of us are trying to say, well, where's the actual value? And so it's really, it's interesting. It's a conversation that we can have again, but I want to get into value uh, and what you've actually built. So value creates opportunities for people to send and receive money internationally. The goal is to build trust with customers through a simple and transparent remittance platform designed for their customers' financial needs. Using a blockchain platform and an expansive network of locations for customers to deposit and receive cash. Value is disrupting the international currency transfer market in Latin America. So discuss that, kind of break it down. You know, some of the things I'd like to learn, I think our listeners would like to learn is we're talking about the need for this, obviously, and the need for remittances. And we've had some other projects on the, on the show talk about this. But as it relates down there, you know, talk to us about the importance of that. And some of the things I really would love to learn is what you mentioned, utilizing a blockchain platform. Which specific chain or chains are you guys using and why? And then we'll get into more questions about uh, what you guys are doing. Sure. Um, so just to like break that down. Um, so the first part is that we're helping, basically helping people send money internationally um, and receive that money. And when I say that the goal is to build trust with our customers through a simple and transparent remittance platform is because um, in, in any financial product, trust is the, is the most important thing. And today, um, because of the hyperinflation, we have a huge diaspora and internal migration in South America. So Venezuela is located at the north of South America, and people are usually migrating through Colombia, going to Colombia, Ecuador, Peru, Chile, and Argentina, even in Brazil. But like uh, Colombia, Peru, Chile, and Ecuador are the main places. And there's around... Nobody really knows how many migrants there are because, uh, but some people say that there's a 50% margin of error and the authorities are reporting 4.5 million migrants. So we're talking about maybe 9 million migrants because, and I just wanted to give this kind of like quick run through Mm -hmm. to to explain why remittances are big now. And so there's six legal paths to migrate from Venezuela to Colombia, and there's 300 illegal paths where you pay $5 and then you can migrate, right? So that's where you understand how wrong the numbers might be. So all of these people now, usually the people that leave are younger males uh, that need to either support their parents or their families, uh, their kids. And, um, and so now there's a huge need of sending money back to Venezuela because when they leave, they basically are trying to just find a job to, to, to support their families um, and hopefully just take them out of Venezuela as well in, in the long run. So um, uh, people are already using remittances, right? So you need, it's a perfect bridge to offer the same product, but, but the only way to send money to Venezuela before value was through a black market. And mm-hmm. this black market is basically people that are doing money laundering for the Venezuelan government and have a whole structure of intermediaries that go from two to seven intermediaries and where everybody takes a piece and sometimes, you know, there's fraud because somebody just takes the money and keeps How it. many intermediaries? So it can go up to seven, depending seven. On, on, yeah. Wow. That's what we've um, learned. Yeah, depending on how far away um, the Venezuelan migrant might be. So if you're in Buenos Aires in Argentina and you go, there's a corner shop that says, hey, we do remittances to Venezuela. That The owner of that corner shop has a contact maybe in Chile who has a contact in Ecuador who has a contact in 
Colombia and then. So if you're sending $50 USD to someone back home, it's going to go through seven loops and possibly someone's going to take a little bit of, oh my God, I did not know that. Wow. Yeah. And, and, and um, again, it's super hard to estimate because it's a black market, how many dollars are being sent to Venezuela yearly, but some newspapers in Colombia reported $6 billion in 2018. And there's 5,000 migrants leaving the country on a daily basis. So you can make the math. There's, we might be uh, sending more than $8 billion a year to Venezuela through a black market. Um, so it's already the second, if, if, we, if we're talking about like macro uh, remittances markets, mm-hmm. this will be the, the second largest market in the whole continent of the Americas from Canada to, to Argentina. The first one being the U.S.-Mexico corridor. Mm-hmm. Um, so... So yeah, man, like, um, so for us, the best way to basically provide uh, a simple and transparent remittance platform was an application that was not the black market that uh, anybody could understand that was basically light for their phones because they have really low quality smartphones. Mm-hmm. So our app is only like 12 megabytes. Um, that is, um, we have partnerships with carriers so that they don't spend their data plans uh, because it's really hard for them. So we're really trying to like fit uh, our product into the financial need um, and uh, needs. And, and so that's kind of like the important uh, one of the important things, like understanding really well the users, uh, right. even though we're using Bitcoin in the back, right? We never talk about Bitcoin. We talk about like, hey, send money to Venezuela for the best price, fast and safe. Um, yeah. So it is the Bitcoin blockchain that is powering this today. It, sort of. Um, okay. So what Let's we do that. is that we, yeah. So um, in uh, what we basically do is that we buy and sell Bitcoin. Um, and so we do this uh, semi-automatically, which makes uh, which means that we only hold Bitcoin for quite a little bit of time and we don't get hit by the, um, by the fluctuation of Bitcoin. Um, and honestly, as of today, we all of our, pro- like everything that we make, which is 5%, we're keeping it in the in Bitcoin. Um, and it's been good so far, um, mm-hmm. just because right now it's, uh, we started when it was at 3000. So, um, uh, so yeah. Um, so talk about the, the back end on that. So we've talked to other kind of, as I said, we've talked to other people that are doing remittance. We've talked to other people that are using the Bitcoin blockchain or using Bitcoin as a rail of sorts. You know, they have to have, you know, some back end support there and exchange purposes, you know, obviously, you're moving back and forth into Bitcoin. And so can you talk a little bit about the back end, kind of how that's designed? Sure. Um, so it, it's quite simple. We have a, 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 we connect with the APIs of uh, peer-to-peer uh, exchanges like local Bitcoins or even traditional exchanges here in Latin America where we can buy the Bitcoin. But we usually sell it through through platforms like local Bitcoins where there's, to date, we're talking about like $6 million in weekly liquidity, um, uh, which is not much, but it's definitely a good a good start. Um, mm-hmm. We're not there yet, but we're already this month. We're already moving three hundred thousand dollars to to Venezuela, and we launched like five months ago uh, the app. And so um, we hope that we can quickly get there. But um, 
but it's a good way to kind of like test and prove that there is a that there's a market for this. Um, right. So instead of using fiat, instead of using cash, you now have the ability to do everything via the phone. And I'm guessing a majority of people, you know, as we've seen, there's over 7.8 billion people on the planet. And I'm guessing down in Venezuela and Colombia that a lion's share, a fair majority have, you know, as you said, you know, smartphones or have power phones that have the capacity to do this. And so as we've seen in, for instance, in Hong Kong and in places in China, Japan, uh, and throughout the Asia Pacific Rim, that phone payment, uh, kind of mobile to mobile, kind of wallet to wallet payments are becoming, you know, kind of the thing there using Alipay and WeChat. Is it starting to trickle down into, you know, into Colombia, into Venezuela, where you can actually pay for something at a local store just by flashing your phone with a QR code? Um, so I'm going to give you a, bit, a little bit of a long answer to that. Um, sure. uh, so as of today, cash is king in Latin America. Mm-hmm. So, um, so you definitely need a way to on-ramp uh, cash into any digital, like, money platform that you have so um in our case we just partnered with like a payment processor here which is like the stripe of latin america and they already have partnerships with uh cash payment networks so they provide this service for us like we have twenty thousand cash payment locations but once we receive this cash it's digitized and today our remittances our remittances are sent to a bank in venezuela so it doesn't go directly to a phone it's from from an app the sender uses an app but the receiver gets their money in their bank account in venezuela uh, so that's of today and again that's because that's that's pretty much how it works uh, with the black market. And so we've been trying to mimic uh, what they do, but with better rates, safe and faster. Now in stage, like talking about the like, like in-app payments or like in-app QR payments, there's a lot of different companies such as Mercado, Mercado Libre, with Mercado Pago, um, Rappi, um, and now like... Uh, there's many players trying to enable these QR payments uh, and just kind of like the Benmos of, of Latin America. Mm-hmm. Uh, the big problem with that is that um, uh, it's it's happening, man. Like, uh, and, and honestly, you see some like people selling empanadas in the streets, and they, they're they're accepting QR payments rapidly. That's already mm. happening, but um, uh, that's that's in Colombia, in right. Venezuela. It's not happening that much, but um, maybe, I don't know if I can talk about this right now, but in stage two, like we're, we're about to launch um, a second version of value mm-hmm. where people in, can also send dollars into Venezuela. And those dollars are basically a synthetic dollar that people can pay in app. So we're hoping to be actually that first platform that connects both Venezuela and Colombia and that allows people to never have to take the money to off ramp the money into local fiat. So let's let's get into that a little bit more. So that is a synthetic and I'm guessing that is a reference asset basically of USD. Yeah, um, exactly. So it's uh, basically Bitcoin backed uh, um derivatives contracts that allow us to to create a synthetic dollar um, that is going to live only in our platform. Um, so people that can that want to send money to Venezuela can go to 
any of these cash payment locations or paying with their bank in Colombia, they can upload dollars into their phones and they can either save them here or they can send it to their families in Venezuela. And in Venezuela, hopefully people will start, you know, paying each other in the same app. But we're also going to allow people to, to withdraw that money into local fiat because we already have that off-ramp through, you know, the local liquidity providers like local bitcoins mm-hmm. or, or any other place. So, and it also, the fact that it's redeemable gives it, uh, uh, you know, like a stamp of trust uh, that, it, right. that, it, that it's real. Um, but, but definitely what's happening in Venezuela, and, you know, Peter was talking about it in his tweet, like what's happening in Venezuela is that it's getting dollarized. Same thing is happening in Argentina. Ecuador is already a dollar country, Panama as well. So what we're seeing in general is that Latin America, Latin American currencies compared to the dollar have been depreciating a lot in the past years. And for even like the the lowest financial literacy and uh, uh, people, the dollar is the ultimate store of value. So if we can create a dollar that anybody can understand, but that that is backed with Bitcoin, that is, you know, decentralized and it has all the amazing properties properties that we know, I think that's a, that's a winning, winning. Uh, so two things I wanted to touch on. Um, you're in the system right now. You know, you mentioned the relationship with Bitcoin and the relation with kind of U.S. dollars. I'm curious if you're thinking about leveraging or working with any stable coins maker and die have a very nice relationship in the ethereum community and you're working kind of on you know with that as well too you know i'm curious you know if there's any efforts to maybe look at a stable coin going forward as one of the other on ramps off ramps for this if that even makes sense down there because people have you know, kind of pontificated that stable coins could be very useful down there, especially in, in Venezuela. Um, and then I also want to talk about how you grew this so fast. So it seems that the you guys launched Value around August of 2019 and already have 20,000 payment locations available in over 500 cities in Colombia. So how did you get there so fast? So the stable coin question and then the growth. Yeah, uh, so stablecoins, I think they're great um, because of what I mentioned, uh, because anybody understands the U.S. dollar. And so I actually believe, like, I know a lot of people in the United States um, that might be your listeners, um, and specifically in this space in crypto, uh, know that the dollar is maybe now not so safe, uh, and a lot of people are starting not to trust it. But outside of the United States, just because it's not not because of what it's backed in, just because of a trust network, the dollar is right now. It's as of today, at least in my opinion, the um, the, the world uh, currency uh, that anybody understands, that anybody um, uh, uh, values as a store of value, actually. Mm. So stable coins are great because they're cryptos that have all the good. Uh, properties uh, of living on a blockchain, but uh, they're also uh, easily uh, like anybody can understand. Uh, so I think it's a, it's going to be a, an important uh, market inside the crypto space, and we have good relationships with the the guys at Maker uh, here in Latin America, also with the guys from Celo. 
which is um, about to uh, launch pretty soon. Um, and uh, we also have a, a good direct connection with uh, USDC and Coinbase because we went through Y Combinator and we got connected through that same network. So um, the problem with you know a, a currency like USDC is that it's very uh, uh, it's still controlled. It can be controlled by the U.S. government. So for us, you know, targeting the Venezuelan citizens. Um, it's it's going to be a tough, like, we, it's, it's, it's not so censorship resistant. So looking at the censorship resistant ones like Maker, um, the, the big problem that we have with uh, those stable coins is that they're not liquid yet, li- liquid enough. So for us, the main thing that we're looking with a stable coin is liquidity. And secondly, that is decentralized and that is censorship resistant. So um, we're definitely open to working with them on other, like, fronts. Maybe, like, if we want to allow people to earn yield on their, on their savings, and then we, maybe we can just liquidate the Bitcoin, convert it to stable coins and provide that yield through the die savings rate or compound. But, um, but as of today, um, the synthetic dollar for us that is backed in Bitcoin is, is perfect because it's censorship resistant uh, and it's also actually way more liquid than any other stable coin, uh, basically the Bitcoin uh, derivatives market. Um, so that's the first question mm-hmm. uh, and why we're choosing this path. Uh, and the second question, um, and very to be very honest, um, we, I think we're in the right place, uh, in the right timing for what we're building. Uh, so, like, again, there's this concept that Andreessen Horowitz uh, recently talked about, which is product side guide fist, fit. And we see a lot of that here because um, what we're building is it's, it's, it's right for the time, it's right for the Venezuelan migration, it's right because of hyperinflation and right. all those things. So acquiring users have been uh, quite organic um, because we are the best option that they have apart from, from a black market. Um, and secondly, Growing to 20,000 cash payment locations, um, it's it's not not really much our doing. We were able to what it, what it what I think was a, a kind of like a pat on the back for us is figuring out the legal structure that we needed to have in Colombia and with all our like holding company in Delaware and um, and then partnering with a payment processor mm-hmm. that is like the Stripe of Latin America. Um, and this payment processor is the one who provides the 20,000 cash payment locations for us. So their business is the on-ramp. I would call it like, they will be like the wire uh, in, in this space, like the wire of Latin America. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because, because like I mentioned, Latin America cash, cash is king. So, um, so, so any kind of like payment processor here um has to focus on closing those cash uh, network deals. Okay. Well, I have to say that in respect to your understanding of what's happening there on the ground, it has been really interesting because we've talked about it. I think again, it's you talk about it from a 30,000 foot drop. We're up here, you know, a lot of us up here in North America that we haven't necessarily traveled per se down there to kind of think about things we've tried to talk to people on social we try to hear stories but you know actually seeing and feeling it and being a part of it is much more different and i agree with you right place right time and 
you know, the growth, as I said, has just been tremendous and be able to get all of those on and off ramps basically that you've been able to do. And so really, really interesting. So deviating, we like to get a little bit into um, our guests kind of on a personal level. And two things that we like to talk about are things that you might be reading, uh, anything, any books that you've read, any articles that you've read. Hopefully it's not all crypto. It's not, uh, you get some downtime to read something fun or something that, you know, is enlightening. So anything that you've read recently that really kind of resonated with you and any music that you like? (laughs) Yeah. So, um, in terms of books, I'm sure that most 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 of your listeners have already read the uh, Digital Gold, which is actually the one I'm reading right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and and honestly, like there's a really good quote uh, from uh, the Black Swan, the, the book, where they mm-hmm. said that like uh, a library should contain as much of what you, of what you don't know um as your financial means right so what you're saying is that like just get as many books as you as you can and like put them in your library because not reading them doesn't mean anything as le- at least as, as it's there when you need it uh so i've, I've been buying a few books lately that uh, seem interesting i wanted to read about super pumped which is the the story of uber um i have the great ceo within uh as well um and it, but right now I'm reading the digital gold. So yeah, um, it's, uh, it's awesome. something I had, uh, had to do for a long time. And um, the, in terms of music, um, honestly, I like a lot of music and um, I go with, uh, uh, you know, I can go from classical music or like guitar music to rap uh, and even to reggaeton here in Latin America. Um, but uh for me, uh, Spotify, dude, like, uh, they have this thing called, like, my weekly, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, they, they, show, they show me my weekly things that I would like, and I just, basically, that's where I get all my music from, so props to Spotify. <laughs> um, <laughs> Maybe it'll become a sponsor, because everyone keeps talking about them, and I gotta get on my reggaeton tip. Everyone's, you know, you're, like, the third or fourth person over the last week, or then, oh, I'm listening to reggaeton, I'm like, Wow. Okay, I guess I need to get on my reggaeton tip because I've been missing out on what's happening there. So, especially since the Super Bowl, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. Um, and so, the last thing that we like to do is where can people? And there is an app. And so, where can people kind of get involved? Where can they learn more? Where can they download it? How can they use it? You know, especially for listeners down in Latin America that might want to be able to take a look at this. Where can people find out more and where can they get involved? Sure. Uh, so if you're using Latin America in Colombia, um, so you, you can just go to the iOS uh, or the Google Play Store and type in value, V-A-L-I-U, um, and you'll see you'll see it uh, popping up first. Um, and uh, and yeah, super open to feedback on t- in terms of the product. Um, we have a customer uh, support uh, over there. And in terms of getting involved, um, I mean, uh, anybody wants to write me at Simon at value.co. Uh, value again is V-A-L-I-U. Um, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, and if you want to get involved in any way, uh, we're always looking for good talent uh, and also good advisors. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, this was great. You know, as I said in the middle of the show that there has just been this kind of echo 
that, oh, you know, places that are dealing with hyperinflation, this is where we're going to get crypto and we're going to get Bitcoin. We're going to get all their digital assets involved. This is where it's going to be. This is where it's going to take off. And, you know, people are hungry. People need to, you know, live their lives. People need, you know, if they're a parent, they need to make sure that their child has the things that they need. And so, you know, we have to be a little bit more sensitive to the fact. And I think what Simon and the guys of value are doing there is tremendously helpful, really trying to address the issue, but at the same time using the technology in a way that is super helpful and actually helps people. And so take a look, download the app, get in touch with Simon, and hopefully Simon, we can catch up with you again towards the end of the year and see how things are progressing. So thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, David. Have a great day. For more notes from this past episode about our guest, please go to www.ar.ca slash base layer. Nothing stated on this podcast should be taken as investment advice, which would require a thorough assessment of each investor's personal financial profile and risk tolerance. Statements regarding past performance are not necessarily indicative of future returns. If you like what you're listening to on base layer, let us know. Subscribe, give us a like, or hit us up on Twitter, Arca at Arca, or myself, David Nage at DavidJN79. Let us know, and we'd love to obviously hear from you. For additional resources to help sophisticated listeners like yourself learn about the digital asset space and the financial terms you understand, please visit www.ar.ca for articles, market commentary, videos, and more.